0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Collegiately Speaking. Walks into the end zone. Oh. to the
1: end zone. Touchdown. This is Collegiately Speaking. With the voice of Northwestern football and basketball, Dave Ennett and former Northwestern star quarterback
0: Dan Persa.
1: It's Collegially Speaking. Let's go. And welcome
0: to a bowl edition of Collegially Speaking. Those are words I'm not sure I expected to be saying. I'm Dave Ennett with former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. We've joined you all season to talk. All things uh, Northwestern football, going through a season that has been in many ways remarkable. And now the Wildcats are getting set to take on the Utah Utes in the Las Vegas Bowl, Saturday, December 23rd. And uh, yeah, Dan, I mean, I think when you and I started out and the Wildcats were coming off a loss to Rutgers to start the season out in Piscataway, I'm not sure too many people... I'm not sure anybody really outside the program was forecasting a bowl appearance for this team.
2: I don't think so, and I think, like you mentioned, you know coming off that that Rutgers game where the team was clearly mentally and and frankly physically exhausted to see them going you know going on the run they went uh winning a bunch of games without their starting quarterback and then you know having a great finish to the season with. You know probably one of the more entertaining games I've watched in a long time versus Illinois so hats off to the coaches uh the players uh, they stuck together they, they seem to continue to stick together you know really after the season as well so uh, really proud of them and, and proud to be a, an alumnus of, of Northwestern
0: you know and I think it's uh it's really a pretty good opportunity for them this Las Vegas ball and I know some people look at it the pecking order and the bowl selection process maybe you got uh, passed over for another team at, at one of the other bowls, but personally, I think this one on in prime time on the Saturday before Christmas, uh, people have pretty much wrapped up their shopping. Uh, I I think it's a, it's a pretty good opportunity, and it's a rematch of a game the Wildcats played in 2018 in San Diego in the Holiday Bowl where they came from 20 to three down at halftime with a 28 point fourth quarter and was a great comeback win for them and. I'm uh, I i th- I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I know Utah's the favorite, and uh, based on what they've done the last couple of years, that's probably warranted. But at the same time, they've lost a bunch of guys going into this game, either to the portal or to guys who are going to bypass the bowl to get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, the Wildcats' losses, by comparison, have been relatively few in that area. So I, I think it, it's kind of sets up nicely for them. I think they're going to get a nice turnout out there, and I think it'll be a lot of fun.
2: I think it's a great opportunity. Like you said, the, the team's never been there. There's probably a lot to do in Las Vegas for them for the, the week You think so? <laughs> one, or, one or two things. Maybe some Cirque du Soleil or whatever they say. Um, but no, I, and I think, you know, from a mechanical standpoint, you know, there sounds like there could be a couple changes on the, the offensive staff, and to have a game sooner rather than later probably is helpful for that to, to keep everybody together and then make any necessary changes after that game. Um, but no, I think it, to your point, it's a great opportunity to play Utah, who's a perennial power. Um, it'll be a well attended game, uh, and, you know, it should be a lot of fun, right? You know, Bull, the Bull atmosphere, you know, for however many years now has turned really into almost, if it's not, a, you know, the top playoff into more of like a wild-card developmental game because of all these, the different players going to the portal or, or not playing, uh, given their aspirations in the NFL. So I, I find it kind of a preview to the next year, uh, which is always fun, uh, especially when you have younger guys getting the opportunity to play that didn't really play much during the year. And, and frankly, the coaches cut it loose too, right? Especially the, their you know, quasi-exhibition games. So they're typically a lot more exciting and, and you know, the, the play calls are a little bit more exotic, which is fun for me. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, that's what's supposed to be
0: right. It's supposed to be obviously it's programming for the television networks and for radio also, uh, and and it's supposed to be an opportunity, an experience for the players, something they don't get to do all the time. Play on a different stage against a team they don't ordinarily play uh and it, and it's a chance for the coaches to kind of uh, do some off the wall things that they wouldn't do if they're in a conference game in November with a lot on the line as far as the standings in their conference they're going to take some chances we're better to do that than vegas
2: <laughs> roll the dice absolutely <laughs>
0: yeah so it's it's an interesting time in in college football we're going to visit in a moment with Adam Rittenberg who is the senior writer for ESPN i know we talked to Adam Early in the season, so much is going on right now with uh, the transfer portal and uh, Nil and and coaching changes. and uh, it's it certainly is not the game that you played, uh, even though it wasn't all that long ago that you were wearing number seven for the Wildcats. It's not the game I've watched over the years. It's changed a lot. I'm not saying it's all bad. I mean, I think there have been some changes for the good. But right now, I think it is a challenging time for fans because they don't quite know what to expect. Uh, Guys that they've been watching for their favorite team suddenly decide they're going to go play for somebody else. Uh, They don't get enough playing time. They want to go elsewhere. Uh, Maybe they want to go somewhere where they're going to make the most money, which is an unheard-of thought, and it was an unspoken thought not that long ago.
2: Yeah, it's it's really been fascinating, and there's been so many – seismic shifts and it seems like such a short period of time um, and, and there could be you know and we'll, we'll probably get into this with Adam another seismic shift in, in a couple of years based on this NCA uh, proposal with, with kind of a new subdivision But yeah, you know, I I don't know where I stand on it. I think to your point, there's there's a lot of positive things, but at the same time, you know, there's there's some things specifically with the you know unlimited transfer portal and and you know coaches hopping around nonstop and and you know different you know financial incentives being involved that I don't love. But at the end of the day, the the free market will figure it out, and and um, you know hopefully it's a net positive for the guys. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's, there's just so much change and there's so many things happening at once. I think just, and we've talked about this in the past, but the combination of the transfer portal with NIL, with the collectives, and it really being kind of a lawless system with the NCAA stepping back is, is just hard to follow and figure out what is legal and illegal and what people can and can't do.
0: Later on, we're going to visit with a former teammate of yours who's very much involved in the NIL piece of this, and that's Jacob Schmidt, former running back in Northwestern, longtime member of the football staff there, who is now uh, the uh, director of True NU, which is Northwestern's NIL collective. But right now, let's bring in Adam Rittenberg, our friend, senior writer from ESPN, covering college football is there a transfer portal for a sports journalist adam <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i hope i'm not in it uh, anytime soon um, yeah yeah it would be it would certainly be a lot less exciting than the one for uh, for college football players which uh, has filled up quite a bit as you guys are discussing here in the last few weeks
0: well would it be quicker just to name the players who have not entered the portal
1: yeah it's 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 certainly uh, it's almost like if you don't go in you're you're unusual um you know, even though there's a number of players who who won't ever enter the portal, it, it just feels like, especially at a quarterback position, which Dan played, um, it's very unlikely that a player is going to go through his career uh, without transferring at least once. And so um, this is just how that position goes, typically, because of NIL, because of playing time, because of NFL opportunities, uh, or trying to you know better yourself for the NFL. So... Um, there's almost a quarterback category within the portal that's different um, in nature than everything else, but you certainly have players from around the country, every program um, that that have entered here, uh, even those that are in the college football playoff, uh, you have a few players that are in the portal.
0: Isn't that remarkable that they, you had, of the four Heisman Trophy finalists, that three of them were transfer quarterbacks? and. Uh, You just look around the landscape. I mean, Dan, I, I can't imagine you wearing a uniform for somebody other than Northwestern. But if you were playing, I mean, Adam's right there. If you were playing today, there probably would have been schools knocking on your door and suggesting that you put your name out there.
2: Yeah, it's it's a fascinating phenomenon, and I, you know I think you know we can talk about this in a, in a second, but it, it just really boils down to the culture that these teams and, and players have. I you know I'm I'm interested to hear Adam's perspective on the whole Ohio State situation when you have one of the top quarterbacks uh, you know in the league, just feeling like I don't know if he wasn't a fit. I kind of heard it was a mutual breakup between them, and he, they didn't really guarantee him a spot going forward, but. I, I would just never imagine that you know something. You're recruited there. You love that you're playing. You're playing with your high school teammate. And all of a sudden, they're like, "Eh, you didn't beat Michigan, so take, take a hike." So yeah. I, you know, there's just so many weird situations that that are hard for me to imagine. Given the relationships that I built and the, the teammates that I had and the friends that I still have, to pick up and leave for you know whatever amount of money seems a little foreign. Well, what Adam? What
0: is it? I mean, do you think it is? That uh, is it. Playing time? Is it going out to to try to get the best nil deal they can? Is it uh, a combination somewhere in between? What What do you think motivates these guys?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably a combination. And sometimes, uh, Dave and Dan, it's 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 a lot of one of those categories. Um, you know, so for for a, a quarterback, it can really be a number of things. You look at a guy like Cam Ward who. Uh, was one of the nation's top passers out of Washington state. Um, but Washington state is entering a, an uncertain future, right. With the, with the, um, with the PAC 12 dissolving. Uh, and he's also very much in demand from a, from an NIL standpoint. You know, he was, he was he, uh, posted on social media, a pretty nice dinner uh, lobster and take dinner basically in Miami that he was, and his parents uh, had last night in Miami's trying to get him and, other schools are trying to get him. And then there's also the NFL development piece where, you know, he's a proven commodity. So he can go somewhere that maybe in his mind will better develop him for the NFL. I think DJ is in that boat as well. You know, I talked with DJ back this spring when I was out in Corvallis, Oregon, where he had transferred from Clemson to Oregon state, primarily because of the system that Oregon state ran um, under then coach Jonathan Smith who's now at Michigan state. The so Jonathan ends up leaving DJs back in the portal. And I think his, his ambitions are still very much. How can I get better for the NFL? He's a guy who, who did ad for, uh, uh, um was uh, uh, an ad guy for Dr. Pepper uh, at Clemson. So he doesn't necessarily need the NIL portion, but he's looking for the NFL development portion. So it really depends on the, on the athlete. But um, uh, I certainly think NIL uh, taking place at the same time as the portal has has certainly accelerated how many players are are going in or thinking of going in.
0: Uh, Matt Rule the coach at uh, Nebraska suggested a couple of weeks ago that a quarterback in the portal, a good quarterback was getting a million to 2 million dollars. Now I know he said it somewhat tongue in cheek, but uh, and now Nebraska I guess was is on the list potentially for Kyle McCord from Ohio State. So, I, I, I mean, it, do, do you think we're really talking about those kinds of deals, or those are the exceptions to the rule?
1: I think those are the exceptions. I, I talked to a few coaches that you know actually wish the Matt Rule had never said that uh, because it's in, in their mind it's not realistic, but it also puts it in the mind of a quarterback that they're then worth that amount of money um, from, uh, from an NIL standpoint, when really only a few are, you know, could, could a guy like Cam Ward, um, uh, you'll get, get over a million dollars to go to, you know, whatever school he goes to next. It's certainly possible. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel was probably in that category who went to, um, Oregon from Oklahoma. But I'd, I think there's a very few number of quarterbacks that really can command that type of dollar, um, but now a lot of a lot might think they can, because you have a coach that have gone on the record and said that, that that's what it costs. So yeah, Nebraska is in a really interesting position because you know, Kyle McCord has visited there. Um, they're also uh, you know, possibly going to be flipping the, uh, one of the nation's top quarterback recruits, Dylan Rayola, who again has uh, was initially committed to Ohio state. And then he switched to Georgia. And then as you guys know, with his uh, deep family connection to Nebraska who has some deep pockets and can spend money, um, he he may end up at Nebraska. So it's a very... Uh, kind of transient sport right now at the quarterback
2: position. Wow, it's yeah, it's insane. Adam, switching gears a little bit to to Northwestern. Dave and I were talking before the show about <clears throat> when we originally had you on. All we really talked, or a big part of what we talked about was potential head coach candidates for for Northwestern. And obviously, that's solidified with you know the remarkable season the teams had. Uh, it sounds like you know David Braun has all, already said they're gonna he's going to hire a, a full time defensive coordinator, and it se- seems like they're you know in the market potentially for a new offensive coordinator as well. Uh, would be interesting to hear the the names that that you're hearing. Obviously, they're looking in internally for some of the defensive coordinator uh, hires, um, but maybe some other names that that Wildcat fans have heard of for for both of those spots. That you know, probably that change. Both of those changes are coming, you know, fairly imminently after the bowl game.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to have some activity here with Northwestern um, on the staff relatively soon, just to figure out you know who, who the coaches are going to be because it obviously impacts the portal, especially. You know, the likelihood of Northwestern going into the portal again for a quarterback. They had a lot of success with Ben Bryant, um, and, uh, and some success in the past with guys like Peyton Ramsey. So I, I would imagine Northwestern will be in the market, but you still have to get an offensive coordinator in place first. Uh, you know, again, David Braun, I think you have to look at where he's been and who he's connected to, um, as, as possibilities. You know, one name that I would mention is, um, a guy who may not be available, which is Tyler Rail, who's the, uh, offensive coordinator at North Dakota State, who David worked with there with the bison you know he he's considered you know one of the favorites to replace Matt Enst as the next head coach at North Dakota State. but if he were available, I think he'd be somebody that uh David braun has been connected to and and certainly uh, someone he would you know maybe be interested in bringing into northwestern as an o c on the defensive side um it'll be interesting to see uh you know Matt Enst, who was a North Dakota state head coach and is leaving to take a position at u s c uh, was a name that I'd heard as a possibility to come to Northwestern, but he's obviously off the board now. Another name I keep in mind is, is Kurt Maddox, who is the defensive coordinator at San Diego State um uh, under under previous head coach uh, Brady Hoke uh so he's had uh, you know a little bit of experience in the Big 10 as a a lower level assistant under Hoke at Michigan so um, that that would be a name that I would uh, you know keep in mind but but certainly could could look internally a guy like Tim McGargle um has done a great job there at linebacker uh for a number of years obviously very connected to the program so it'll be interesting to see you know how many assistants David ends up uh filling uh, again this is his first chance to really you know, shape the program in his own image and and put his stamp on it. Uh, And and obviously, you know, that will translate to the personnel as well after the, the coaching staff is filled out.
2: And Adam, going back kind of to the macro level of, of the college football, can you can you you know explain to me like maybe I'm five years old what what was proposed <laughs> by the new you know NCAA president, and you know after that, what is a realistic timeline for this? Um, I, I have my opinions on it. and I, I kind of understand it, but I think obviously your fingers on the pulse better than anybody. And in, in layman's terms, would love to hear your thoughts on on what he's thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm still kind of figuring it out, uh, and I haven't, you know, spoken to too many NCAA folks about it, but I think it's basically a attempt to, uh, say that, hey, there's a group of schools that, um, are just operated at a different level financially and let's create a division within the current FBS where, um, you know, schools would be required to uh, to essentially uh, provide uh, funds for their athletes through a trust. I think it's thirty thousand dollars for at least half of their athletes, and you know, there would certainly be a Title Nine component. But it, it's basically an acknowledgement that that some schools are operating at a different level, and that and that the sport is changing. And I think it's a good proactive step. I, I know that some were. Uh, you're kind of upset that they didn't get a heads-up that this was coming. But I, I think it's better to have that than the other way around, which has been the NCAA sitting on its hands and reacting to things or not really uh, getting ahead of something like NIL to begin with, which has led to you know an environment right now that a lot of people in the sport are really concerned about. So, um, I, again, I think it's, uh, it's good leadership from, from Charlie Baker to at least put this out there with some details. Is it going to go into effect exactly how it was proposed? I don't think so. But it never does with the NCAA, but at least it's out there, it's on the record. People can, can start to, to kind of debate it and uh, and see what what maybe the best solution is going forward.
0: One of the things I thought was interesting, at least as I read it, guys, was that that thirty thousand is a minimum, but it's but they can go over that, right? So so it's it seems yeah. like the the haves Versus the have-nots, the haves would still have more than, than they don't have as much as, you know what I mean? I, I mean, there's still going to be some schools that would be in that subdivision that aren't going to be able to to appropriate as much uh, revenue or as much money to a player uh, as, as other schools are going to be able to. There's still going to be inequities in this thing, uh, regardless of how they structure it.
1: Exactly. And I think, but listen, there's always going to be a hierarchy in college athletics. And while, it, you know, maybe it's clearer now, uh, with, with NIL, um, and, you know, the ability of certain programs to attract, uh, top transfers and top recruits, like it's always been this way. I mean, there's always been programs that have had more resources than the others. Um, you just want to try to make it, uh, as, you know, as clear as possible and say, hey, you know, if you're going to be part of this division, this is what you have to be willing to commit financially. And um, I, again, I think those things are good because there are programs right now that are you know, technically in the FBS who really shouldn't be, You know, who, you know, sh- who are there because uh, you know of ego or because of history or whatever it is, but really should be operating at a different level because they're structured in that way. So um, again, anything that sort of says, okay, this is the group, right? And to be in this group, you have to meet these requirements. And if you want to go over that, that's up to you. But that's always been the way it has um, kind of been set up in college sports. I just think to, to kind of be intentional and say, "Hey, this is the cutoff line." Uh, is a good thing. It's,
0: you got to pl- pay your dues, I guess. Adam Rittenberg, yeah. senior writer, uh, ESPN. We're going to see you in Vegas.
1: No, you won't. Uh, but I'll certainly be uh, be watching and, and interested to see how how these games go. I mean, bowl games are, are so different, even from when Dan was playing, because of the number of guys who uh, you know are opting out or transferring, and you know, so it's just a, a very uh um kind of dynamic time in the sport every December because, you know, so much is happening. So uh, I guess the good thing for Northwestern, though, is that, you know, they have not lost a lot of players to the portal. They obviously have, you know, their staff that's still in place, even though it's likely to, to, to change after the bowl game. And then Utah you know, has a little bit more uh, fluctuation on its side, but you still have a longtime head coach. You still have their two coordinators who have been in place. So hoping for a good game, it was certainly memorable last time these two met in a bowl game, yes, Dave. I know you were there oh, yeah. uh, in that holiday bowl. That was quite a quite a comeback for the Cats. And what's interesting is that, you know, Kyle Winningham, the Utah coach, had been, you know, literally the nation's best bowl game coach. And since that holiday bowl, it's kind of gone the other way. So interested to see if the Cats can kind of continue that success. Or if Kyle, who's just one of the best coaches in the country, and kind of reestablished himself as the king of the bowl
0: game yeah we will see it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh december 23rd adam as always we appreciate your time and not just today but uh all the time when we call on you we appreciate it and we'll uh, keep reading you on espn.com and watching you on espn and thanks very much
1: okay great guys thanks for having me enjoy the bowl game all right thanks, thanks
0: adam there he goes it's just such an interesting time dan and uh, you know, there's so many wheels turning in college athletics today, and and a lot of it's, let's face it, it's driven by NIL. It's and and that's got a lot to do with it. But it, I'll go back to what I've said all along. Uh, NIL came on the scene. I, I have no issues, whatever, with players being able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. But it just, it started without much. Uh, it was pretty much the wild, wild west. It was pretty much let's just start this thing and see how it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, Interesting
2: uh, take, yeah. You right.
0: know? and uh, so maybe they'll get a they'll get a handle on it at some point. And uh, well, here's here's a guy who does have a handle on it, and he is the executive director of True Nu, which is Northwestern's uh, name, image, likeness collective, and a former teammate of yours, War Number Thirty Nine, proudly for the Wildcats. And it's uh, Jacob Schmidt. Jacob, how are you,
3: Dave Dan? I'm I'm well, guys. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on.
0: Well, we've been talking a little bit about uh, all the the changing winds in college athletics, and of course, NIL first and foremost, along with the the transfer portal. And so, you've had a chance to observe it both as as a member of the football staff at Northwestern, and then. Uh, I wouldn't say externally, but but kind of because you're you're now in the NIL world as executive director of TrueNu, and uh, it's it's obviously it's a it's a work in progress here. We're we're still trying to figure it out. So, what conclusions have you reached about where NIL is now and and where we're heading?
3: Yeah, Dave, it's funny, right? Because uh, I am I am the same as you both. Still trying to figure this out, right? And I, I heard the end of your chat with with Adam. Uh, there's not a, a person uh, across the country that 100% understands NIL and what it all means, right? Where this is an ever evolving, ever changing landscape. Um, but but what I do know, what, what I have concluded, and, and I think you guys will agree, is that in order to compete, you, you got to be in this game, right? You you got to have the support. You have to be able to offer uh, the athletes at your respective institutions a competitive plan uh, within this NIL world. And and so, you know, we're we're proud of what we built at True NU over the last year. You know, you, you mentioned it, right? I, I was obviously a part of our football staff for a long time. And when this rule changed two and a half years ago, uh, we were absolutely outside uh, looking in. and And we watched and we learned and we saw what was happening early on. Um, and we just knew that, look, in order for us to compete, in order for us to give our coaches and our programs two fists in this fight, we needed to, to create something to help. And so True as you guys know, was launched, um, about a year ago and I took over January 1st and we've had a fun year. We've done some really good things. Um, we're, 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 we're uh, we're structured in a way that, that helps our community first, right? We're using NIL for good. Um, we're relatively unique in that approach. Uh, but we thought, you know, why not? If if we're going to, if we're going to be able to, to leverage the name, image, and likeness of these athletes, let's do so in a really positive way and impact our neighbors and impact the community. So we're proud of that approach. And then, you know, we've, we've invested a lot of, of financial resources into these athletes and into these programs. And, and that's why we exist, right? Again, we, we, we don't know everything about this world. It's continuing to shift. Obviously, you know, NCAA has some, some plans for the future here. Um, but what we know is we need to compete, and, and we're proud to say that we are.
2: Jacob, dovetailing off of that, has the NCA, with, with new leadership and the fact that they seem to be stepping back into the void of, of some sort of regulation or proposal, have they said anything to you know the schools outside of their, their statement last week about where they see NIL going and any structure they may or may not place on it?
3: Yeah, Dan, to my knowledge, no. Right. To my knowledge, that sort of pseudo-proposal uh, from from Charlie Baker was uh, was was sort of done in a vacuum, right? It sounds like he didn't didn't have a lot of conversations with commissioners uh, or athletic directors relative to the specifics. Uh, but certainly, they're they're seeing everything we are, right? They're they're learning as we go here. And I think, if nothing else, what that what that statement was last week was admission that change is necessary, right? Admission that. There needs to be a a sort of a new structure um, and and perhaps a pretty progressive uh, sort of new world of college athletics to put some real guidelines and rules around what this looks like. Um, And so I think, if if nothing else, I think most people are happy with that, right? Because the the, the current way in which college athletics is governed – um, you know, obviously with, with the topics like NIL, transfer portal, one time transfer policies, realignment, I mean this thing has has just uh continued to change every single day over the last three, four five years. Um so if nothing else, that was saying, look, we know it. We know what you're all doing, right? And and so uh, let's let's come together, let's find a way to adapt. Um and ultimately, right, I think that was also sort of putting it on the school. Right. By by essentially saying, look, let's create a new subdivision. Let's let the big boys right, the schools with the resources and the brand opt into a new league, Um, come together, form some real rules, get on the same page. Um, I think that, if nothing else, will will hopefully bring. Um, sort of, uh, equity back to this sport a little bit, right? It's always been the haves and have nots. It's always, there's always been programs that are more resourced than others. Um, but NIL and the lack of, of real rules around this craziness over the last two and a half years has, has continued to, um, just, just, just show evidence that the deeper pockets will continue to, to succeed. And while we might never fully get away from that, I think a new subdivision where you give the schools and the in the league more autonomy to create a league that works better in 2024, 2025. Whenever this will actually will actually happen, uh, I think it's a step in the right direction.
2: Yeah, I agree. Diving more into kind of the value proposition of of True Nu, you mentioned before, there's always going to be a, di- a you know distinction between the schools and the collectives that have unlimited amounts of money. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you guys are specifically focused on at, at true and and what is kind of the true value prop to, to the, the student athletes and, and the folks that are considering transferring to Northwestern or staying at Northwestern and, and what your kind of day to day is?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Dan. Yeah. We're, we're uh, as I mentioned, right. We're, we, we, we see ourselves as a charity first, right. So the impact that, that we are making in the community is absolutely real uh, and, and we're proud of that. But, when it comes to the athletes, right, and the programs, our focus really is on helping retain our best players, right? I think NIL, as you guys watch every day, is used certainly to attract prospects, to to attract quality athletes out of that transfer portal, regardless of sport. Obviously, football top of mind for the three of us, but um, it's it's used to bring talent into your place and acquire uh, uh, athletes. Uh, while, you know, certainly a, a competitive and robust NIL program will help with that at Northwestern, our focus more so is on keeping our best players, right? Allowing these coaches and these programs to not become a farm system within this new world of college athletics, right? We, we don't want to let the Boobuies transfer away from NU. We don't want to let the, the the Sammy Whites and the Izzy Skeins leave our number one lacrosse program and go somewhere else right we can't let that stuff happen and so we we've got to be able to compete in this in this new arena and and so that that's really where our focus has been over the last 9 to 12 months um, you know obviously you guys see uh, what what happens on campus and who's who's playing for our teams and you know obviously basketball with a gigantic win a couple of weeks ago against Purdue and and our all-american point guard is is on the court right so we're we're proud of the involvement we've had uh, with all of our programs over the last 12 years. And, and I know we've talked a lot about sort of how we're, how we're structured, our goals, but we, we've worked with athletes from all 19 of our programs, right? We're, we're very rare, uh, in, in that world, right? Most of these collectives are, are focused on basketball and football. And we understand why. We know exactly why that, that should be priority. Um but we're different. We're proud of it. Um, we're focused on this for everybody. We understand football and basketball. Uh, our priority and need to compete and need to win. Um, but but you know, our value prop here is, look, let, let's, let's help these programs compete in this new world. Let's keep our best players so the product on the field and the court and the pitch are the best they can be. And let's use this to make an impact in our community.
0: Visiting with Jacob Schmidt, Executive Director of True and You, Northwestern's NIL Collective. You've faced in this past year... Uh, some unique challenges that uh, certainly the news events of the past summer had to have an impact on you, yet uh, a successful football season, I think if you look at it big picture, uh, a, a basketball team which is ranked in the top 25 as we speak and coming off a big win, you got a lot going for you right now. How has True and you kind of weathered the storm here the ups and downs of the past year?
3: Yeah, it it's it's been tricky, right? It's been tricky and and everybody knows my connection with the football program and 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 with with coach Fitzgerald and so this the summer was was certainly difficult for for all of us. Um, you know, and, and especially for me personally. So it it was a difficult few months, absolutely, right? We 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 really took a pause uh on the fundraising front. There was just zero appetite to frankly support anything purple and white, you know. It, it, regardless of what side of the topic you were on um nobody was willing to have those conversations and frankly we weren't willing to ask and so uh you know you look at uh, the last 12 months we we fundraised for about 9 of them right and and so we've done some really incredible things given uh the crisis this summer uh and then the the sort of the the ramifications and consequences of of some decisions made and so um you know the the the, the momentum that the football program now has created for us is is certainly being felt uh, the, the the success of our basketball program, absolutely, right? I mean, that over the last year has been uh, incredible for for a group like us. I mean, the, the, the positivity and optimism of last season, right, getting to that tournament, winning a game out in Sacramento, that was huge for an NIL collective that was just trying to get off the ground. Um, and, and similarly right now, right, the football team – um, winning seven games, going to Vegas in what nine days. Um, you know, coach Braun earning this role, becoming our head football coach. I mean, really, really best case scenario, I think for, for most things Northwestern, but absolutely for true NU. I mean, this, 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 uh, was pretty devastating and pretty dark for, for a couple months and for them to band together, win a bunch of games. Um, you know, people are, people are watching. People are interested again. People are, 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 are absolutely appreciative of what Coach Braun and this football program have done over the last three months. And, and so that, that, that optimism, that positivity is, is helping us here as we, as we get to year end. Um, you know, we got a lot of work to do overall, but, but absolutely, um, you know, sitting there in August, this, not many predicted this and uh and, and and us included. And so we're we're excited about it. It's helping us. Um people are listening. People are are, are understanding why this stuff matters. Um and so we're hopeful that uh you know after a, a win next week against Utah, get to eight, finish this year strong and basketball can carry us into the new year, that we're just gonna keep growing.
0: Couple more questions and we'll let you go. As you if it's Somebody who gives a set amount to Northwestern University every year to athletics, uh, and if they've got a a fixed amount, they always donate, but they're not sure whether to give money to True NU or to Northwestern. Is it, a, I guess, a a partnership between you, uh, True NU, and the university? Uh, Are you competing for those dollars? I, I guess I don't. That's one piece of this that I wonder how often that comes into play, where uh, there are only so many dollars people have to go around.
3: No, you're spot on, Dave. Yep, you're spot on. It's, it's given the current structure, the current rules, we're, we're a separate entity. And so the families who have supported Northwestern for, for, for years and have a set amount of money that they've given athletics, they're, they're now questioning, well, where should it go? Right and and obviously I'm biased. Obviously I have a preference here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what what, I, what what I'll what I'll tell your listeners right is that uh, all 19 coaches are adamant that you support true nu. Right. The 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 way to to best um, build a roster and retain a roster and compete uh, with our peers today is to support nil. Uh, and so certainly, yeah, look, there's a little bit of cannibalism, right? There's a little bit of co- competition for some dollars. Um, but what I'll tell you is that next week I'm in Phoenix for men's basketball, and the Wildcat Fund and True NU are co-branding and co-hosting an event with Coach Collins and roughly 45 Scottsdale and Phoenix area lumps. right? And the message there is, look, we're in this together. We are on the same team. We frankly need you to help us fill up every single bucket. Um, certainly, right now there there are a lot, and uh, while we're separate, we are very much in this together, and it is as much of a partnership as it can be within this current current set of rules. So we're, we're we work closely with Northwestern Athletics, you know, baby steps on uh, continuing to grow that partnership and find different ways where the institution can help us, and, and vice versa, where we can help them, but. Um, you know, I I was just out in New York City uh, uh, Monday and yesterday with Coach Braun, right? He he was with us for 30 hours of nonstop fundraising. And so I I think that will tell your listeners all they need to hear, right, where the priorities are right now, given the structure, given the rules, given the impact that NIL is having on these teams and these these, these programs. um, True NU is absolutely where the dollars should be going.
0: All right. If somebody wants to uh, help out at true and you get involved best way to do that
3: yeah best way easiest way frankly is go to our website true and org. Um, if you want to support if you want to donate you can do it right there um, you can set recurring donations one-time donations um, so it's pretty simple that that's obviously be a credit card um, but if you if you want to talk about it if you need need questions answered um, if you want to support in a different way um, look we, we we take everything checks cash, Venmo, uh, stocks, you, you name it. Uh, you crypto? Do you take crypto? Find <laughs> uh, uh, we'll find a way. A uh, person's a crypto guy, so he'll, he'll figure <laughs> out how to send in into cash for me. Uh, no, but 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 seriously, reach right out to me. Reach directly to me, jacob at truenu.org. Um, you know, we're here to facilitate this the best we can for our place and, and really give our programs a chance to compete. So I'd, I'd love to hear from any of your listeners and I uh, just appreciate you guys giving us a platform here to, to continue to talk about it.
0: All right. Uh, give me in 30 seconds your favorite Dan Persa story oh, on the field or off the field. No, no,
2: no. no. We're
3: not. Oh, no. We'll keep the off the field yeah. quiet. Um, <laughs> on the lo- I, I don't know if I have a specific story. And, and uh, you know, we, we all remember Dan uh, and just the incredible player that he was, right? I mean, certainly we lined up next to each other, uh, you know, <laughs> dozens and dozens and hundreds of times um you know but i i always remember dan as um you know he 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 would get us out of some situations that were were was just what felt like insurmountable he'd pull it off right he he was one of the best to do it uh at our place um you know he, he was always on time with the ball he was he was if you didn't know your job he'd get in your grill i mean he was absolutely the leader out there i mean i We just, we had a blast, uh, you know, and and we're getting old, Dave. I I can't remember every game and every story and every snap. I got hit in the head too many times blocking for Dan. He never gave me the ball, um, but I blocked my uh, off-form, pardon my French. So, no, we we had a blast. um, And uh, now just, uh, you know, appreciate, obviously, the continued friendship. And uh, appreciate you guys doing this, too, keeping, keeping, uh, obviously, stories about Northwestern rolling and highlighting the season they had. So,
0: appreciate you guys. You bet. Hey, great, uh, great visiting with you as always. Good luck, True NU, and You, uh, and I'll see you in Phoenix next week.
3: Awesome, Dave. Thanks so much, Dan. We'll see you too, man. Happy holidays.
0: Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. Jacob Schmidt, Executive Director of True NU, and You, uh, and just fascinating stuff. I mean, it's it's just it's 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 all new. I mean, it's if you'd said five years, none of the stuff existed, and. It's something we're all getting familiar with now. Uh, whether you whether you want to or not, you better learn about it because it's it's the way things
2: are going. Yeah, and, and you couldn't have a better person leading it uh, on behalf of Northwestern than Jacob, who who understands all sides of it. Who's a very smart and capable guy. Who you know is is you know a great fundraiser. So really happy for him. You know, you, you talked about the couple months stretch, and I I talked to him a lot when all that was going on. There was definitely some dark days where I thought he was he was gone, um, but luckily, you know, they they turned it around and the basketball team is doing great. And I think yep. he's he's as happy as anybody that all this happened because he's he's re-energized by it. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, he's doing a great job too. All right, we got to get to Super Joe's
0: predictions, so let's do that right now.
1: Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super, Super
4: Joe's, Joe's predictions. Prediction. 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 It's everybody's favorite time of year, bowl season. Predicting games is never easy, but recent college football postseasons have been even more difficult. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy players are benefiting from opportunities provided in the transfer portal and through name, image, and likeness. But it has made handicapping these matchups tough. For example, Ohio State, who ended their regular season with a 30-24 loss to the University of Michigan, opened as a seven-point favorite over Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. Since then, at least 15 players from their roster, including starting quarterback Kyle McCord, entered the transfer portal. The Buckeyes are now two and a half point dogs. My point is, things can change quickly. So if you find a number you're comfortable with, fire away. In the meantime, feel free to fade a couple of picks that I have locked in. Florida State is getting two full touchdowns against Georgia in the Orange Bowl. It's not enough. I'm back in the Bulldogs and I'm laying the 14. I'm also going over the total of 62 and a half between... Oklahoma and Arizona. Fireworks in the Alamo Bowl. What could be better? Happy Bowl season to all, and to all a good night. All right, so,
0: final thoughts on this Utah-Northwestern matchup in the Las Vegas Bowl.
2: I think it'll be fun. I think, uh, you know, there are a lot of coaches that aren't really knowing their future right now. I think everybody's going to cut it loose, and and hopefully we see some new wrinkles and, and frankly, some new players. Um, But, you know, I was happy to see that most of the team, you know, will stick together for this game, and a lot of the guys that you know will come back for next year. Uh, hopefully, we'll find out that soon. But should be an exciting game. Uh, Utah's a great team; they're a formidable opponent. But uh, I think Northwestern, you know, especially the last couple of years, have has played really well in bowl games, and I think they're going to do the same. They're pe- they were peaking the last you know three or four games, and I think they're really excited about this opportunity. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Saturday, December twenty third,
0: six thirty kickoff Chicago time, our our broadcast, by the way, will be heard on ESPN 1000 uh, beginning at six o'clock Central Time on the 23rd. And you can also stream it not on our website uh, because of bowl restrictions, but you'll be able to stream it on uh, the Varsity dot com. Uh, download the Varsity Network app and you'll be able to listen to the broadcast there at uh, nusports.com and also on uh, Sirius XM Radio. And uh, Dan, been great doing this again with you this year. It's been a fun year, and uh, we'll look forward to good days ahead in 2024. But uh, happy holidays, happy new year, and – We'll sit down and uh, talk about the 2024 season,
2: wherever the Wildcats are playing next year. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a lot of fun and and obviously pleasantly surprised everything that's happened for the Cats. So uh, happy holidays and let's go get a win in in Vegas. All right, sounds good. Many thanks to our uh, producer, Jack Heinrich,
0: doing a great job all season. Super Joe for his predictions. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg and Jacob Schmidt. For Dan Persa, I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks for being with us for Collegiately Speaking.